Welcome to the For Those Who Inquired podcast. Uh, this is your host, Edward Marlowe, and with us, Jay Nemo. Yeah. Hey, hey, no, tell tell him, Jay. Jay Nemo, senior from Marshall County, and uh, looking forward to it, Ed. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. The defending state champion for boys golf in the state of Kentucky. How are you, man? Good. Doing good. Um, obviously, with with all the COVID stuff, just uh, playing a lot of golf because um, that's uh, pretty much all there is to do. Um, and so I've gotten a lot better, and uh, it, it's been fun for me to work on my golf game. So, How much of a blessing has it been, uh, Jay, that, that golf has been the one thing that we kind of have been able to return to uh, really since about June 1st? You know, we had that tough March and April and, and even some of May where sports kind of seemed to be in question, but golf really kind of came back to earth uh, around June 1st. H- how important was that for you going into your senior year? Yeah, it's good to know that uh, – there's no uncertainty with with golf. It's it's going to happen, um, and I, I definitely feel for the other athletes that really don't know um, what their future holds for their senior year or you know this this athletic year. But for golf to be able to, to kind of be in the spotlight and to really you know the athletes that play golf they can kind of show like hey we can play and there's been more of a, a spotlight on them. That's that's so good to to kind of see the athletes in Western Kentucky that, that play golf. And I think it's kind of a relief um, for, for people around the state and around the country, really, to, to see live sports on television with the PGA Tour. And uh, it, it's been great. It's been great to, you know, golf has that spotlight and that focus. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, take us all the way back. Maybe not the first time you had a golf club in your hands, but that first time when you realized that golf was going to be a part of who you were. I know you're a multi-sport athlete, but what is it about golf that has taken you to that next level, and why do you love the game so much? Yeah, uh, my parents, so if I were to tell you the first time I had a club in my hand, I would probably be about two years old. So I've always been around the game. My parents played. They uh, they actually strapped my car seat in a golf cart, and they or when they went to the course, they uh, get my car seat, put it in the golf cart, and they play golf, and I I watch. So and you know I got to the age of plastic clubs, and I got them, and you know I went on the green or whatever, and you know was messing around, and so I've always been around the game, but I guess the first time I kind of realized like golf's the thing for me was probably middle school. Um, I made the, I made the high school golf team in fifth grade and kind of that sixth grade year I played in the regional tournament. Right. And, uh, at that time I was playing a lot of basketball, I played summer basketball. I did, you know, the, the whole nine yards with basketball, but that regional tournament, I played really well and I just kind of saw like, yeah, this, this is definitely, this is definitely for me and, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Oh, well, you're definitely doing it, man. Obviously, as a defending state champion, you know, uh, you're pretty good at the game of golf. And, um, you know, there have been some some big names in the state of Kentucky that have come away as state champions, and you're now on that prestigious list. And, uh, and congratulations to that. Obviously, that's a goal for you uh, coming down the stretch here. It feels like we've got so much left in the golf season. But if you think about it, you know, Friday afternoon, we'll have an all-A champion. Uh, and, and we're really only, I'd say, three to four weeks away from determining a regional champion and any sort of state championship series. 
that happens in Bowling Green. How do you maintain the edge uh, of not only defending champion, uh, but how do you keep everybody else off of your back as you're coming down the stretch here in your senior year? Um, you know, there's there's some expectations you have, obviously, with, with being the defending state champion. And um, what you got to do is you just got to – anybody – not anybody, but people that win a state championship, some people can say, oh, it was a fluke. You know, they, they only won one. But, you know, this year I think it's a chance for me to – to hopefully go back to back and win a second one and just validate last year and say like, yeah, that was, that was for real. And yeah, I'm, I'm a two time state champion and that's more of a self motivator. Um, there's obviously being, being the defending state champion, you go everywhere and everybody, there's a target on your back for sure. And I enjoy that. Um, everybody's trying to beat me. I like that. Um, but yeah, I just gotta focus on my game because if I feel like I feel like if I play my A game at the regional and state state tournament, um, you know, I think it's gonna be hard for somebody to beat me, but they right. definitely can. But if I play my A game, I'm definitely gonna have a really really good chance to win. So yeah. just getting my game there, getting it to the A game that week in Bowling Green at, at the regional tournament, like that that's what I'm striving for right now. So I've got to ask you this, Jay, uh, and I know a lot of athletes, you know, they use that same quote. I've, I've got to play my A game. Uh, in, in the game of golf, from a technicality standpoint, what do you consider your A game? Uh, do you consider yourself strong off the tee box? Uh, do you not miss fairways? Do you, do you hit greens in regulation? Where do you feel like you attack the course the most effectively? Short game, long game, where is it for you? Well, my game kind of all revolves around my putting. My putting kind of sets the tone of of everything I do. Because if I putt well, you know, you can hit it about as, you know, you can hit it everywhere in, right. in a golf. But, you know, if you come in and you have 29, 27 putts in a round, you're going to have a good score. So the putter is really where it all kind of um, revolves around for me. I've been hitting it well all year. I just there's a few rounds where I've gotten the putter hot, and those rounds are are the best rounds. So, you know, if I can really get my putting where where I think it should be and where it needs to be, then that's where I kind of feel like I'm at my A game because really, I I hit the ball really good every day. Like there's not really a, a round where I felt like man, my ball striking was awful. It's right. Pretty good, and then some days you know I'm dialed in. And those days, even when the putter's not good, you know, I put up a really good score. But it's those days where I can get it really dialed in and the putter's hot. That's when we, you know, you really, really have it. You know, you take it deep and you have a really good score. You have talked about the putter for two and a half minutes now on the podcast. Is the putter your favorite club in your bag? Or do you have another club that, I mean, you just look at and say, man, I love you. I need you in my bag. You're the only uh, thing for me. Well, it's if, if you ask me right now, the putter's my least favorite club in my bag. But right. hopefully in a little bit, in you know, a few weeks it's my favorite club. So it's got that love hate relationship. But um the other club in my bag is the driver because I feel like if I can hit fairways, I can attack fins and when I do that I have more opportunities for birdies. So uh my driver's really good. It's that's been my strong suit for a while. Um I don't I don't hit it very far. I hit it long enough 
you know, I don't bomb it past everybody, but I'm long enough where I have short clubs into the, into the greens and I can, you know, get it semi-close to the pin. And then, again, it all comes back to the putter. Let me ask you this, Jay. Uh, what's your average right now? You hitting 310, 320, or where do you think you hit right um, now? I'm probably around the 290 range of okay. average. I can attack one and, and get it over that 300 mark, but I kind of hover around the 290, which, again, not not the longest that, that I've seen, but it's it's definitely long enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's all you need. You know, I mean, if you can hit – if you can hit driver 290 and if you can hit a middle iron 170, 180, you're going to be able to attack most anything, uh, especially in the state of Kentucky, but, you know, in, in your future career at Mississippi State. Uh, got a question, couple questions about that as well, but before right. we move on, I was curious. Let's take the driver and the putter out of the bag. Jay, what are you relying on? If you could only have three clubs in your bag and you've clearly got a driver and a putter, What's the other club that you have to have in the bag before you go out on the course? Man, uh, I would say my my 54 degree wedge. My 54 degree wedge, I can seem I seem to hit it really like a full shot with that goes about 120 125 yards. Yeah, but I use it pretty much around the green everywhere. I deloft it. I hit some low shots with it. Uh, I can kind of open it up and hit some higher shots with it. So I love that club. Um, usually, if I miss a green, I can pretty much go ahead and take the 54-degree wedge out of my bag. And when I'm walking up to the green, you know, 90, 90% of the time I'm going to use that club. So that's one that, that I use around the green a lot. It's probably the club I use the most, minus the driver and the putter. So um, that club is, is very good to me, and it has been for a while. Speaking of good clubs to you, obviously you probably watch a lot of movies and things like that. I'm surprised you didn't say seven iron uh, in respect to the movie Ten Cup. I, uh, I'm well, surprised actually that the seven iron is not in your bag. As you know, you don't hit the seven iron like John Daly hits the three. Is that is that not what happens? No, not not that good. But Ten uh, Cup, great movie. Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of good golf movies. Uh, my probably favorite golf movie is the greatest game ever played. And That's a great movie. Yeah, so it's based on the, the 1913 U.S. Open in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. It's about uh, the game back then, the the better players were amateurs. So um, the professionals kind of uh, had a chip on their shoulder. But this young kid wasn't a professional, wasn't really in with the amateurs. I mean, he uh, ended up winning the U.S. Open. And that – Minus Bobby Jones, who had a decorated amateur career, he might be the last amateur to win the Open. But yeah. that that is unbelievable. Uh, Harry Varden, Ted Ray, kind of seen the history of of golf back in the early 20th century. Jay, I'm actually curious. Who, you know, right now in the realm of of local golf, you, you've had some great rivals, some great battles. You've had guys on, on the marshals that challenged you, uh, on a weekly basis, uh, for top spot, for top golfer. Uh, who has challenged you the most in recent memory? And who do you expect, two part question here, who do you expect to challenge you the most in the first region this year? Uh, so in the past, uh, Quinn Eaton, he's not around, um, he's at Murray State now, but I was very fortunate enough. Quinn was, was on the team my fifth grade year. He was a freshman and, the fifth through eighth grade year, uh, I had a great time with Quinn. He kind of pushed me, um, 
he was a little bit better than me, but I wouldn't tell him that. And we had a lot of good battles, and he just made me want to get better and want to beat him. And so that rivalry within the team and within the – that was great. He kind of took me under under his wing, and, man, it was awesome. But on the team this year, uh, Trey Wall and Camden McLeod pushed me. We have games with, uh, you know, it's usually me and Preston Futrell, uh, yeah. and him, uh, in a little, in a little game at, uh, Calvert every now and then. And so that's fun to get the juices flowing. But this year, the, uh, a player that I don't think, um, we're talking about that much, Hunter Reynolds from Trig. He, uh, is a great player. I've played with him. I haven't played with him in a while, but he can play. He's got a really good swing. He hits, he hits the ball a really good distance, and um, you know Murray Country Club. He can he can definitely go well out there. So I think he can definitely challenge me. Yeah, well, and I know you and I have talked a lot about it. You know, pre-recording, post-recording, we'll talk about it the rest of the season. I know St. Mary is certainly in that discussion. Uh, two guys that are playing really good golf right now. Uh, you know, Rocco Zucutney and and Peyton Purvis uh, have certainly been playing some good golf as well. And I know McCracken uh, is right there in that conversation. Uh, Graves County's got Kobe Allen, who's playing fairly well. So I'm glad you kind of brought that up. You answered one of my questions I was going to ask you, Jay. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. You're, you're nailing this. You're a natural. So, I'm right on top of it. Right yeah. Of it. Well, obviously, you know, the region has got a lot of strong, uh, you know, young men's golfers. Uh, and, and some of them are going on to the next level, and you're one of them. Um, I know that you haven't signed yet, but what is it about Mississippi State that, that drew you to that decision? Uh, to where you had that comfort level to say, yes, this is where I want to be? So early on in my recruiting process, you know, I took some visits. I was talking to coaches um, from mainly in the SEC, but there were definitely some other ones. But, you know, I was talking to some friends who were, you know, older guys who went on, they were committed, and even guys in my grade who were committed early. They, uh, I was like, how do you know? How do you know? When do you, when do you feel that? You know, how, when do you know, essentially? And they just kept saying, like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, you'll know when and, and where you want to go. And so I kind of laughed at them, like, whatever, I'll, I guess I'll make my own decision. But I went on a visit to state, probably my eighth grade year, and I loved it. Um, by no means did I know I wanted to go there then. Sure. But I went back, and uh, my freshman year, I went to a golf camp there, and I was going on visits, and it seemed like I would always put in a ranking my favorites, the most recent, as number one. So let's say, you know, I went on a golf camp to Tennessee. Well, I came back, Tennessee was my number one, and I'd move Mississippi State down to two or whatever. But then one visit uh, to Mississippi State, I went um, for a golf camp and spent the weekend there. And that weekend, something clicked. I had great conversations with both coaches, and uh, we meshed really well. They love sports. I love sports. So uh, it was a great – I had a great relationship with both of them. And then at that moment, I was like, I think that's – I know that's where I want to go. So I still kept taking visits. You know, I went went to a few other, but it all came back to Mississippi State. Nobody was topping that visit, and Starkville, the people in Starkville, the people in Mississippi State, they're all so great, and um, 
they're just they're just amazing and I knew I wanted to spend four years of my life there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um Jay, a lot of a lot of questions though I wanna keep asking you, so I wanna keep rolling with it. Um uh, as far as professional as far as the professional realm is concerned, uh who's your favorite golfer right now? Who who are you rolling with uh if you're watching golf on a late Sunday afternoon? Well, so Right now, I'm talking to you with uh, some sunglasses on. So sure. I've got some some people call them dad calves. And yeah. So not Phil Mickelson, uh, uh, lefty. Um, we share a lot of the similarities. He's very aggressive. I'm very aggressive. Um, and I love Phil. I love his uh, personality. I love his charisma. I love everything about Phil. So if Phil's in contention on Sunday, which I know he rarely is anymore, but I'm rooting for him. And actually, I love him a lot better than I like Tiger, which might be a little controversial. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I really enjoyed he and he and Tiger's competition with uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That was must see television oh, this summer. Uh, it was great. I was wrapped into it as well. I, I mean, when Tom split his pants, I was like, "This is terrific." You can't ask for much better, you know. Then he jarred the 150 yard shot, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, yeah, but that was that was unbelievable. Uh, I think it was it, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, like that's what happens when eight handicappers play with professionals. I definitely saw Tom get a little nervous, but and then he holds that shot and everything was fine. That was unbelievable. That was great television. Yeah, no, I and that's something that we've had to deal with a lot this year. Is we've had to have that um, different type of escape. Um, Jay, there was something you mentioned to me pre-show that interested me a lot. You talked a lot about, you know, the fact that there's this concept in high school sports that you've got to specialize. And, you know, in Western Kentucky, it's not necessarily as prevalent. You don't see it as frequently, but it is a conversation that happens all the time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the specialization uh, of student athletes and how have you been able to navigate yourself in your career where you've been able to play golf and basketball effectively? Yeah, uh, there's definitely some some uh, disagreements between people of, you know, should my kid play one sport? Should he play multiple sports? And I think it's great when a, when a student athlete plays uh, multiple sports because I think it, number one, it doesn't allow burnout. Burnout's not as common. Um, you see that a lot in students that student athletes that play basketball. They play yeah. basketball, and then they come back to school. They play it all winter. Then they go back to the AAU circuit in the summer. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure from parents, and parents uh, kind of mistakenly, sometimes mistakenly, guide their their kids into like you're playing this sport, you're playing this sport only. I think some of the best athletes, Gary Woodland is a perfect example. He's a golfer. Yeah. In the U.S at Pebble Beach last year, he was actually a basketball player in a university in Kansas. He uh, played college basketball and did not play golf and played one year and realized, like, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10", I play at a Division three university. Like, he played high school golf and he was pretty good. And he called the golf coach at Kansas and the golf coach at Kansas said, yeah, we got a spot for you, come on. And he went on to be a all Big 12 player and now a major champion. So I think the specialization, uh, just, I, I don't agree with it. And I think with me, 
I've been blessed to uh, be a part of some coaches that, that understand and they uh, encourage that multi-sport athlete. And it's been great. I love juggling them. I've went from summer basketball games straight to a golf tournament. Yeah. I went, uh, you know, basketball practice in the winter and then go hit balls golf balls in in the winter so i think it's great and i've been able to juggle it very good and it's it's been a blessing to have um coaches that that understand and uh appreciate that dual sport athlete speaking of dual sport athlete are you sorry are you looking forward to the basketball season this year how do you and how do you and coach birdsong attack that conversation and and what do you think your decision is going to be moving forward yeah uh, right now uh plan on playing uh it's it's it should be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, being so close to winning the regional championship last year, there's a lot of uh, you know hunger and and we want to get back out on the court and right. stuff like that. There's obviously a lot of uncertainty in the world with sports in general. The KSA just decided today. Uh, I was tuned in. I'm sure you were as well. Absolutely. Uh, to their, their board meeting, and the board meeting said, you know, we're going to go on with with high school athletics as of now. But as we know, in the past few months, anything can change. So hopefully we have a basketball season and, and, and I get the opportunity to play uh, for the for my senior year. But obviously there's uncertainty in the world and it's uh, it, it kind of sucks to for the senior year to be in question this much. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought it up that way, Jay, because I mean, you, you're not wrong. I mean, even with today's decision from the KHSAA, no one really knows what's at stake in three months or six months for that matter. And, you know, nobody's trying to speak negativity into the conversation, but I think what 2020 has brought to us, uh, just my opinion is, is of course, is, is that it's brought a lot of reality. Uh, to the situation. Yeah. Not that sports is dreamy. I mean, sports is competition. I don't want to, I'm not even going to say that we've taken it for granted because, you know, I don't think that's fair to say. There are plenty of student athletes across the country and their coaching staffs that have put their heart and soul into this job on a daily and weekly basis. That being said, nobody knew that a national pandemic was going to start off our 2020 campaign. So. Yeah. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. It can it can be taken away just as quickly as it can be reinstated. So, um, you know, and you brought that up. You know, I mean, you got to think about what happened in March. You know, for two months, we didn't know if there was going to be sports at all. And then in June, we got golf. And then, you know, and then we got a little bit of travel baseball and softball and a little bit of travel basketball. But it wasn't nearly the same. Um, and, and things still aren't the same. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up that way. I mean, there's a lot of trepidation coming in for this senior class of 2020 and 2021. So, uh, and I know that that's a challenge and, and you're a big part of that. Yeah, I definitely, uh, didn't really back in the spring, uh, the, the spring student athletes that didn't really, they didn't get an opportunity to play their senior year. Um, fortunately for me, playing a sport that, that is able to play, um, I'm very blessed to be able to do that, but I definitely feel for the athletes with my basketball season in jeopardy and the, uh, with their season being taken away, I'm definitely, uh, definitely feel for them. And hopefully the same doesn't happen for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll take it one, uh, as I tell my wife every day, we take it one day at a time. So, uh, she hates it when I say that, but it's, but it's true. You know, that's all you can kind of do right now. We can plan ahead a little bit, but, you know, you go too far and, and, you know, sometimes the best laid plans can 
can go to the wayside. So, yeah. um, wanted to ask you a tough question, Jay, and uh, I know you've been very outspoken about it, and I know that the last week and a half has been hard, and this season will continue to be hard for the for the golfing world, not just in Kentucky, but in the United States. Uh, Cullen Brown, uh, Lyon County's, you know, great golfer, state champion, and University of Kentucky sophomore, uh, you know, passed away at the age of 20 on August 4th. I know that you've been on social media, uh, been very active in discussions about what Cullen Brown meant to you, but for our listeners, you know, if you don't mind, can you just give some sort of a description as to what Cullen Brown meant uh, to you as a friend and to you uh, as a competitor? Yeah, Cullen was uh, the uh, – he was just a great guy. Um, I, there's been so many stories of Cullen being shared on social media, and I think everyone comes back to he, – he didn't care who you were. He went out of his way to make you feel special. So I think my, my favorite – I've got a few Cullen Brown stories and, you know, two of my favorites, one being here at Calvert City Country Club, uh, the invitation of my seventh or eighth grade year, uh, he went out and shot 65, I believe, 65 or 66. I think he bogeyed 18. Um, and Marshall County was already done. He came in off 18 and I'm meeting with Garrett Howell and Quinn Eaton. Cullen comes in and all of us, we heard he was playing really well. Didn't know how he finished. Say, hey, Cullen, how'd you play today? And Cullen, in his, all of his Cullen ways, says, you know, I played okay today. Left a few shots out there. But, you know, he didn't – that's as much he talked about his round. He just shot six under in a, in a, at a tough golf course and turns around, well, how'd y'all play? And kept asking us questions about – well, what happened on that hole? You know, Garrett said, well, I didn't play that well. I shot, you know, 85. And Cullen's like, oh, that happens. You know, those rounds happen. And, uh, you know, what, what didn't go good today? And was genuinely wondering about our rounds after he just won the golf tournament by six. I yeah. think that right there just sums up Cullen as a, as a person and as a competitor and as a player. He's just, he's a great, he was a great friend to have. And, uh, he just meant a lot to me as a as a role model, and I talked to Quinn Eaton a little bit, and he uh, he said it perfectly. I was older than Cullen, in the words of Quinn. I was older than Cullen, but I looked up to him, and I think everybody kind of looked up to Cullen in, in their own way. It was if everybody had a little Cullen Brown in them, the world would be such a better place. I think that's a great way to put it. I tell you. I think it's really funny you mention it that way. So one of the things is, as I started talking to people last week about what Cullen Brown meant to the golf world, one of the things that I started to realize was that Kentucky as a whole was his team. You know, when you mm-hmm. golf for Lyon County, I don't mean this like this sounds at all, but it, there's not a lot of golfers coming out. And there for a couple of years even, like Cullen Brown was the only representative for Lyon County. Mm-hmm. And so he's the only person coming out to these golf courses, you know, battling for himself. And so his top competition, typically year in and year out, was going to be golfers from Marshall County. And it would have been just as easy for Cullen Brown to be like, I'm not talking to those guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in that zone. I'm not going to, you know, Marshall is the enemy. Marshall is my challenge. These are the guys that are pushing against me for a regional title. And, uh, you know, he won that first regional title, uh, you know, uh, actually at, at, uh, 
at Murray Country Club. Uh, it was yeah. interesting. It was interesting to watch. I I had to reflect on my time at the Murray Ledger and Times. You know when uh, you know when Matt Winder was a senior and he was in that playoff. Uh, you know with the Trig player and and Cullen Brown and Cullen won and in that moment, here's 14 year old Cullen Brown winning a regional title. But I digress. He 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 always had other teams rooting for him, knowing full and well that that's who they had to beat. You know, they had to beat Cullen Brown to win an individual title, and there was never this animosity. And, in fact, it was the other way around. It was always the state of Kentucky rallied around him and became his team. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's just something I thought about. I, I saw a quote from uh, tennis, uh, University of Tennessee's golf coach, and, I mean, this is so true. He uh, – I think Tennessee was playing Kentucky in, in match play of the quarterfinals at the uh, SEC tournament. And he was like, the Tennessee coach was like, you know, I know he plays for Kentucky, but I'm rooting for Cullen today. I think that right. was just the, that's everybody rooted for Cullen. There was nobody that was rooting against him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh appreciate that comment. I do kind of want to bring it up just a little bit. I know that that's, um, I know that that's tough uh, for everybody. I mean, I didn't know Cullen as well as so many people did, but, you know, I, I, I feel the same way as a reporter. He was one of those guys that was so approachable, so mm-hmm. just wanted to talk about sports and, and move on with his day. And, and it was never, the moment was never too much for him. Oh. And, uh, and, and I always appreciated that. So, um, fly high, Cullen, uh, rest in peace. Um, yep. A couple of other uh, quick quick hitters that I wanted to, to ask you about. Um, what are you snacking on? And I know this this sounds silly, but just bear with me for a second. What's like your pregame meal? I know a lot of different athletes really kind of come in with like a, a routine or or like a this is the meal that I eat. This is what I do before a match. What are you eating before a match, or are you even like eating before a match? So. Yeah, on the road, we travel a lot. When I'm playing in uh, tournaments over the summer, I don't know why. I don't know why this started, but I always have Chick-fil-A before a golf tournament. It's okay. weird. It's not like a – it's not a health thing. It's not I want to get my body ready. It's just – I don't know where, when and where it started, but it seems like every time we go, we look for the closest Chick-fil-A, and, and we get it, and I bring it to the course, and I eat before I, before I start. Um, but sometimes – uh, a lot of times I'll have like a, uh, ham and turkey sandwich on the golf course, uh, when I'm playing. I, um, also kind of load up on peanut butter. I eat a lot of peanut butter crackers on the golf course, drink a lot of water. Like, um, a great decision. Uh, peanut butter crackers are my favorite snack, so you're good to go there. I got you. Yeah. It loads up on peanut butter and, um, that, that's the only kind of health for my body, getting my body ready. A lot of times I do eat, uh, spaghetti the night before. I'm a big spaghetti fan, so my mom will uh, cook some, and that's kind of my night before meal a lot. Gotcha. See, you got a routine, man. Everybody's got their pregame I, meal. Everybody's got their pregame show. It's it's, it's kind of how it works. Yeah, I don't really think about it, but now that you mentioned it, I do have a little routine that I do that I don't even think about. So yeah, see, and do you have chick Do you have Chick Fil A right now? No, I do not. No, I do not. I I'm actually getting Subway for the match. So oh, see, that's perfect. 
Yeah. Last couple of questions for you, man, and I appreciate the time. Obviously, you're you're a man on the go. I know this afternoon you guys are playing against St. Mary at Calvert City Country Club. Uh, expect that to be a pretty solid duels match. Um, let's uh, let's put yourself in a hypothetical situation here. You're coming on the 18th hole. You you know you've probably you've been hearing around the course that you've got a one shot lead uh, against the rest of the field with one hole to play. Uh, what are you listening to in your in your head? Like what are you like what are you telling yourself? And and maybe what type of music, if any, are you listening to to kind of get yourself motivated coming down the stretch? So I guess my um, my thoughts in my head on 18th tee, if I need to make a par, 18 is uh, just get it in the hole. That's I, I simplify golf um, about as much as anybody around. And I think, how can I get this ball in the hole in as least amount of shots as possible? Right. So I, um, before rounds, I listened uh, to a little country music. I don't know. It kind of calms me down a little bit because golf's a game of, you don't need to be too jacked up to play. You kind of need to be calmed down, but probably some, some soothing music is going through my head, going through my head. But yeah, I'm just thinking, just, just get in the hole. Uh, just do it. Yeah. Country music. Uh, I'm yeah. curious. I mean, are you listening to like hip hop, like new country, or are you listening to like some older country? Like, where do you find yourself? Like, who do, who are you listening to uh, okay. to kind of calm yourself down a little bit? So my probably one of my favorites is John Party. Um, kind of a newer country. Like if, in the car right now. If I were to turn it on, I would turn it on Y2 Country. So that's kind of the, the genre of John Party's good. I like Toby Keith. Sure. A couple of those guys. I mean, one of my favorite songs, actually, it's kind of random because I listen to all different types of music. But I, I love this bar uh, by Toby Keith. Oh, it's is ter- is terrific. Um, I... Uh, I waited tables in a bar in Murray for five years uh, before I went back to school. So, I mean, I love this bar came on the jukebox daily and oh, there's, there's always songs that you're just like, Oh, I can't listen to this song again. That is not one of them. I absolutely have zero qualms whatsoever. If that comes on the radio, I'm listening to, I love this bar by Toby Keith. So yeah, that's a really it's, good. Uh, it's, it's definitely happening. What's your favorite country song? My favorite country song probably sticking on the toby keith i like uh courtesy of the red white and blue yeah it's a, i mean that's a it's a fourth of july cool. anthem yeah so i i don't know why it kind of makes me uh uh just gets the patriotic juices flowing in me and makes me think about how blessed i am to to live in uh the america that we live in yeah, absolutely. Last question for you, Jay, and I appreciate the time. Um, let's uh, let's fast forward ten to fifteen years, and and you're maybe you come back and you stumble on this podcast, and you, you're listening to your high school self. Uh, where do you hope to be, in, you know, in ten to fifteen years? Are we looking at a professional career from you, or are you hoping maybe that you're in the workforce, you know, activating whatever degree you've earned at Mississippi State? Right. Where where do you think you'll be in ten to fifteen years? Well, the plan is is to play professional golf. So that's that's the goal, and um, 
you know, obviously got a long way to go, but the four years in Mississippi State, uh, they're going to be they're going to be fun. They're going to be filled with uh, a lot of golf, a lot of practice. But hopefully, the coaches down there do a great job of of getting players uh, better and getting them prepared for for professional golf. So hopefully, 15 years from now, uh, have a PJ Tour card and be playing on the PJ Tour. But obviously, um, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. So right. Uh, my plan is to major in finance. And I would love to work in the, like, financial advisor kind of range of, of jobs. So that those are the two plans. Hopefully uh, the first one gets fulfilled. But, um, yeah, one of those two, hopefully the PJ Tour. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you sound like you got it all set up. I mean, look, you're going to need finance anyways if you're winning in the PGA Tour. You're going to need to be able to right. – divide up those pie pieces as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible. So yeah, I come in handy. Yeah. I was going to say either way, Jay, you've got yourself uh, cornered in a good direction. Uh, you're, you're either going to be lining up dollar bills cause you're, cause you're winning golf tournaments or you're going to be lining up dollar bills because you're in finance. I, I think you've made a, a solid career decision. I, I should have yeah. rethought this. I should have called you for advice actually. Yeah, you should have. That would have been, well, <laughs> too old but yeah you should it's true hey listen listen you know if quinn eaton could look up to cullen brown uh who was younger than him then i can look up to jay memo it's how it's how it works man so um yeah you can get advice from anybody from any age um it's never never anybody too young and never anybody too old you know it's whoever whoever can help you in whatever direction you're trying to go so Jay, I appreciate I appreciate the time, man. Uh, as always, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, I know there's a lot of other different things that we could talk about, and uh, you know we'll attack them some other time. Uh, Want to say good luck to you for the rest of your season. Uh, good luck this afternoon in your golf tournament against St. Mary, and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate you having me. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk soon. Yeah, anytime, man. That was Jay Nimmo from Marshall County, the defending state champion. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.